This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Welcome back, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to season 11 of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 301, and to kick off the 11th year of this crazy, crazy little show, I have decided to resurrect the dead. <laughs> what do you mean, Patrick? I'll tell you. I am going to use all of my dark, gay, yet still fabulous, magical powers to break through the sphincter between the living and the deceased and summon forth before you all the spirit of the crapshoot. Dead. Dun, dun. Yes, that segment that's long gone is coming back today, and we're going to be looking at the movie 1BR which is available on Netflix. And not only that, 1BR was recommended to me by listener Trey Dean. So that means something. That means somebody else is coming back too. Do you know who? The Firing Squad. (laughs) Trey Dean, you better stop prepping because you're going up against the wall, girl. But before we do that, please allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh. And every month, twice a month, for the past 11 years, I have been your guide through the weird and wonderful and totally fabulous world of horror movies. But I'm going to make you see them through my very, very gay little eyes. And oh, what whimsical fun are we going to have? (laughs) My evil gay laughter. So what's been going on at Scream Queen's headquarters all summer? I'm back from summer hiatus. How was it? Did you have a good time, Patrick? No! No, this whole summer sucked, but you know that. Everybody's summer sucked. Can't complain about that if everybody's summer sucked. But I can a little bit because I'm still kind of stuck in the same place where I was when we left. I'm still finding it very, very difficult to watch horror movies. The world is horrific enough as it is and so stressful. Watching new horror movies stresses me out. I've gotten better. I'm able to watch some stuff, but like if it, the thing is like if I start to get a vibe where it starts to bum me out, I'm out. Goodbye. I'm done. No, shut it down. I'm not waiting for another five minutes to see if it gets better. If you start to depress me, I am out. If I get bad oogie feelings, I'm out. Not fun oogie feelings, bad oogie feelings, I'm out. Can't do it. And this left me in a dilemma. I'm like, how am I going to restart the show if I can't talk about horror movies? I can't plan anything in advance. I don't know what I'm going to do. And to top it all, I'm bummed out because I'm this year I'm not doing the Halloween Potathon, you know, where the fundraiser that I've been doing in the past few years where I raise money for new alternatives to help homeless LGBT kids. I can't do it. It almost killed me last year. And I'm not underestimating. I mean, I went to the hospital with chest pains over it. I can't put myself through that again in that way. And the thing is, I had an alternate plan in advance. I had a great idea. I worked it out with Jeffrey from over at Backpacks from the Street. We're going to do something with them. And I can't do that either because of the quarantine. But I can't complain about that either. It's just the state of the world right now. But that doesn't help your problem, Patrick. What are you going to do to move forward with Scream Queens in your 11th year? Are you fresh out of ideas? And the answer is yes. And then I realized the answer isn't in a new idea. The way to get the ball rolling is to look back at the past and f- remember what worked and stuff that I've put aside. And the answer was the crapshoot. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the crapshoot is a segment of the show where I dive headfirst into that vast sea of directive video horror movie releases, searching for a diamond in the ship pile. It's a roll the dice roulette thing for me. I just pick something at random. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's crap. Either way, you're going to find out. Either you're going to get a gem or I'm, you're going to listen to me lose my mind for half an hour again. So it's a win-win. That was a nice, simple, easy entry point to get the ball rolling. And once I sat down and started working on that, other ideas started coming for the rest of the year. 
So I'm very happy to have that ball rolling once again. But it's not quite time to roll that ball yet because before we do, I want to ask you a question. Have you been to the Scream Tees store? What's that, Patrick? Oh, that's the store online. It's the Tee Public store where you can get all of your official Scream Queens merchandise. You can get that fabulous design, the logo design by Carly McCutcheon. The, sh- the show logo, you can get it imprinted on a T-shirt. You can get it imprinted on you know, phone cases or mugs or tapestries or stickers, magnets, pretty much anything you can think of. You can have a Scream Queens logo slapped on it. And now, Public has started offering masks, facial masks. So you can be protecting yourself and your community from COVID and showing off your Screamer style on your face. Show off that love on your face. But here's the thing. The Scream Queen store is not just for Scream Queen merchandise. And I don't think a lot of you realize that because I have been curating individual designs, picking them, going through the whole T Public store, picking out designs that match our singular Scream Queen's aesthetic. What does that mean, Patrick? I said, oh, you know, it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit sassy. It's a little bit flirty. A little bit weird. Got a whole lot of cats. Things that I think sum up the show really well. And you can get all of them printed on just about anything you want as well. And I figured, wouldn't it be fun to help get the word out? I'm going to start featuring some of these artists because all these things, all these designs have been created by individual artists, you know, independent artists. And they get a cut of every sale that we make to the Tee Public store as well. So everything that you buy through there is supporting an independent artist. That's awesome. So the very first of our featured product is a little portrait that I like to call Bitch Please. And out of all the possible things that you can have Bitch Please printed upon, I think it is best served upon a coffee mug. Why, Patrick? Well, shut up. I'm about to explain it to you, pushy. In it, we have the portrait of this fabulous drag queen. Mountains of blonde hair piled upon her head in a beehive. A masquerade mask across her face. She's looking at you. Cutting her eyes at you with her dangly bauble earrings. And she's saying, bitch, please. And I thought, you know what? This is the perfect back-to-work, back-to-school gift for September 2020. Just imagine sitting at your Zoom meeting that your boss is called at 7 a.m. or some ungodly hour, and they're rambling on about some bullshit that they could have summed up in a three-sentence email, but no! We have to have a whole production about it. You have to be on camera, and everyone has to see how fucking bored you are. Imagine just sitting there while they're rambling on and on, and you're just sipping from your cup of hot, steaming bitch, please. Same thing for you students out there. Hey, you got to go to school on Zoom now? Great. Wonderful. Same thing. Teacher droning on about, I don't know, magma. That's a science thing, right? Like magma, Ignatius rocks. Is that a thing? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever the earth sign shit they're rambling on about. But no, you're just sitting there just letting it all wash over you, enjoying a nice, piping hot cup of steaming bitch, please. Or another scenario, perhaps your your quarantine partner, your 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 boyfriend or your girlfriend or or whatever your mate may be, turns to you and says, "Honey, let's not watch horror movies tonight. Why don't we watch something with Gwyneth Paltrow?" And your mouth can say, "Yes, dear," but your mug can say, "Bitch, please." What a great way to not start a fight and have a delicious cup of something delicious. The volumes that your cup is speaking without even saying a word. I'll be posting pictures of this month's design, this episode's design, all over the social media. And you go check it out. At You can check it out at the official Scream Queen store at bit.ly slash merch SQ. Bit.ly slash merch SQ. And that SQ stands for Scream Queens, yo. Here's an added bonus. You can have Bitch Please put on a mask as well. You can have any of the designs put on a mask. And Public is running a store-wide special in which if you buy any four masks... From them. First of all, you get a 20% discount off your entire order, which is awesome. But for every mask that you buy, they donate one to a person in need. A high-quality, double-layer, medical-grade, reusable mask to a person in need. And I think that's pretty fabulous. Once again, bit.ly slash merch SQ. Now, you can either have this mug, 
So get your cup of bitch, please. Because no matter what it is that you choose to drink out of your bitch, please mug, honey, automatically you're serving tea. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's begin the craft shoot. Oh, yeah. Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul? 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 Oh, ew, ew, ew. Oh, uh, uh, uh. So, for those of you who are new to the show or, or who, quite frankly, have forgotten what this segment is all about because it's been so long since I've done it, the crapshoot is the portion of the show where I dive headfirst into that vast, vast, vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search of a diamond in the shit pile. Did I find it this time? I'm not telling you yet. So the movie that we're going to talk about is a little ditty called 1BR. That's the numeral 1, the letter B, and the letter R. When I first saw the ad for it, I thought it said IBR, which stands for International Bear Rendezvous, which is a convention in San Francisco, which I would watch a movie about, but it's not about that. But no, of course, it's real estate slang for one bedroom, right? Of course, right. I also have to warn you, when you're doing a search for it on whatever search engine you're looking for it on, be careful of your spelling because mine autocorrected to 1BM. You don't want to watch the 1BM movie. No. No. Although I was impressed that it was, in fact, about just one BM. It was like a 90-minute BM, which was both awe-inspiring and horrifying. But we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about 1BR. But I know you're like, Patrick, cut to the chase. Just tell us, is 1BR a good movie or is it, well, basically like the other movie, big 90-minute poop on camera? Hold on a second. Why don't we take a little listen to the trailer? Yeah. Haven't you been getting my calls? I've been busy. When are you coming home? I'm staying. They put that system in a few years ago after a break-in. Uh, don't worry. Neighborhood's a lot safer now. I just moved here. I don't really know anyone. What brought you to LA? Trying to start a new life. Missed one here. Any pets? Nope. You got it. We're neighbors. Hey, listen, we're having a barbecue. You should come. Welcome. We like to make this place feel like a real neighborhood. And we all kind of take care of each other here. further i just want to say bravo bravo to the marketing team because that trailer gave away absolutely nothing no spoilers whatsoever yay yeah well maybe little ones but you didn't see them because it was audio get it never mind never mind what are you talking about patrick so the way i found out about one br was quite some time ago it was maybe three four possibly five months ago who knows anymore with the pandemic time relative whatever but i heard about it from trey dean and longtime listeners of the show will know that I am always welcome to your movie suggestions about what to talk about on the show or just check out on my own because, you know, hey, I'm only one person. I can't possibly watch every movie that's out there and find every single good movie for you. 
If you've got it lead, I'm all ready to hear it. And I'm all ready to watch it too. Except. There is a caveat. If I like the movie, you will be rewarded greatly. But if I didn't. Public humiliation awaits when you go up against the wall. Trey Dean up against that brick wall. Assume the position and await my judgments. Trey Dean just rolled his eyes so hard right now. He's like, whatever, bottom. Anyway, anyway, where are we? We're talking about the movie. We're talking about the movie. Okay. So 1BR is the story of a young woman named Sarah. She's moving to Los Angeles to start a new life, get away from a troublesome relationship with her father, and start work as a costume designer, hopefully. And she goes to an open house for a fabulous one-bedroom apartment, and that is her first and her first of many, many, many unfortunate mistakes. I don't want to spoil this because, Trey, I'm not going to keep you up against the wall for long. Just, I can't do it. I can't do it. The firing squad, you're dismissed. You're dismissed. Trey Dean, I really liked 1BR. And it's going to be very hard to talk about it without spoiling it. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to go up to a certain point and then I'm just going to stop. Okay? And talk around things as much as I can. Initially, I was very worried about this movie because Sarah, played by Nicole Bryden Bloom, this character is very deer in headlights. She is going, this, 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 she's, she's just, you know, apologizes for everything. Very shy, underspoken, doesn't stand up for herself. She's going to get eaten alive by Los Angeles. I'm going, oh boy, oh boy. We're going to have to watch this poor girl be victimized for this whole movie. And she's already a victim to start with. So, and plus she's nice. She's nice. No, she's not good. She's not bad. She's just nice, which is boring. So I was kind of tuning out a bit. And oh boy, was that a mistake because Ms. Bloom turns in one heck of a performance once things get rolling. Like I said, she moves into this apartment. Everybody is so super friendly during the first shots of this movie. <laughs> They're just showing the, 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 the community of this apartment building just around the pool and having little picnics and little cocktail parties and porches and I said oh my god these people are all so up each other's asses I would never move in there but at this point I don't know what the movie's about is it supernatural is the threat human I don't know I don't know but Sarah manages to get this apartment although she's breaking one of the most important rules is that she's not supposed to have pets but she has a pet she has a fabulous ginger tabby named Giles I'm warning you right now do not get attached to Giles. As soon as I saw that cat show up, I said, he's adorable. Pay no attention to him. He's not going to be around long. He's not. He's not. But right away, things are not great. She's kept awake all night by weird rumbling noises and the pipes and creaks and bangs and booms. And she gets the feeling that people are in her apartment all the time. And on top of it, she's having trouble at work. She can't fill any of her prescriptions. So she's, you know, going a little nuts because she can't get her Zoloft. And she's just miserable. And that's when shit hits the fan. I also got nervous at this point. When things go bananas, it starts to lean towards torture porn. However, it never goes all the way there. And actually, what's very smart about the writing and the direction of this is that this particular scene where Sarah is forced to do something for a very long period of time, I'm thinking this is going to be the rest of the movie. It was maybe 10 minutes. But instead of being the bulk of the movie, it was a gateway into something else, which was much more frightening and much more psychological. And that's where this movie has its fun. After Sarah gets past a certain point, you think things are going to de-escalate, that she's appeased, whatever forces are ruling this one-bedroom apartment. And you just kept, I kept getting lulled into the sense of security, like, okay, all right, this isn't so bad. This isn't so bad. And then all of a sudden it would get really twisted and it would get twisted with a friendly smile. And I'd go, oh my God, that's terrible. Oh God, oh, okay, okay, all right, we're past that, we're past that, all right, all right, okay, okay, we can, we can keep up this charade, but she can just keep going along and everything will be fine. She'll go, oh God, no, 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 no. So it plays this wonderful mind game and it winds up with this fantastic finale and I'm not spoiling it. What I'm gonna say is Nicole Bryden Bloom's performance particularly in the early parts, 
so wonderfully sets up what happens at the end. And I'm not saying that she's going to be like this great kick-ass Rambo female horror movie character that's become stereotypical over the past few years. She's got this certain calm, strength, and reserve that is so powerful and really, really scary. And the other thing I want to tip my hat to is this is a fantastic ensemble cast. Fantastic. It's filled with lots of actors that I recognize from lots of other things, but have no idea what their name is. And that's kind of cool because I don't know what to expect from them. Um, The most recognizable is Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story. And basically, just in general, if you're moving into an apartment building and Naomi Grossman lives there, you don't want to live there because like, I'm just imagining wherever she is, shit's going crazy. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing either, but I'm just (laughs) I'm just saying when Naomi's around, things are going to get weird. And she gives a great performance here, too. And I can't go into it. can't go into it. But uh, uh, Susan Davis, who I I recognize from a lot of 80s TV, and uh, she was the mom in War Games. But she plays this fabulous older woman, Edie Stanhope, who used to be, back in the day, a sci-fi B-movie queen. And she rules this apartment building with this fabulous kind of faded beauty and glory and wit. And it's a fun, enriching character. And it's the closest we get to gay in this movie. It's the closest we get to gay. It's the closest we get to Grey Gardens. And she's fantastic in this role. Lots of fun there. And a nice little quiet performance. It's not the biggest role, but a guy named Clayton Hoff, who plays Lester, one of the other inhabitants of this apartment building, he gives off this, um, he's got this mild, young Robert Englund vibe to him, and his character is surprisingly layered given the limited amount of time he's on screen. I just have to sit here and take my tiara off to David Marmer, the writer and director, for making this wonderful little puzzle box of a movie that I just, I never, every time I thought, every time I thought I had to figure it out, well, I couldn't have been more wrong, and it was so much fun going on this very distressing little journey. And this is a movie that I'm going to want to talk about at some point later because there's so much to get into, the psychology of it. And there's just so many layers upon layers of things to discuss here that it's just a shame I can't talk about it now. But if I talk about it now, you won't watch the movie. My only caveat, I don't think there's anybody gay in this apartment building. I didn't see any gays roaming around whatsoever. So boo, boo, Boo. Although, of course, me being me, I had to decide one of the extras was. I'm like, hey, a cute guy with the long hair and the beard. You're the apartment building gay. If he is or not, doesn't matter. I made him so. Yay. I know I'm talking around in circles because I really, really liked 1BR, and I think you will too. It's available on Netflix, so check it out there and let me know what you thought. Yeah. And thank you once again to listener Trey Dean, uh, listener and my co-host for Damn You, Uncle Lewis, our Friday the 13th, the series podcast that we do over on Patreon. Mr. Trey Dean, thank you so much for this recommendation. Well done, sir. Bravo. You beat the wall. You beat the firing squad. And therefore, may good fortune be as abundant and magical as Roby's hair. So that, my beautiful, beautiful streamers, is going to wrap things up for episode 301. Season 11 is underway, and gosh, the first episode's already over. Yeah, it was short. Oh, but it was sweet, though, wasn't it? I mean, think about it. It was a crapshoot episode without the crap. We're kicking things off with a great movie. You got a great movie handed to you on a silver platter. That is fantastic. And besides, maybe it's time for Scream Queens to be a shorter show. I mean, does it have to be an hour and a half? Well, it doesn't have to be two hours. No, not really. It's COVID times now. That survey that I asked people to fill out over the summer, I mean, that showed that people are just listening less. They're not commuting and listening for long periods of time. So a shorter show would probably work out best. And oh my God, look at your faces right now. Look at your face. If you think I'm actually ending this show right now, <laughs> how long have we known each other? How long have you sat out there listening? Going, he keeps saying he's going to stop talking and end the show. But then he never stops talking and ends the show. Well, I'm doing that right now. No, no, that was not enough. One crap shoot was not enough to satisfy me this week. No, sorry, Bob. I hope that those pampers that Flem asked you to hang on to, well, I hope that they are double lined because you were going in for a double dip of the crap shoot. One, yep, double dip, dip, double, double dip. 
I don't think we've ever done a double crap shoot before. I should probably come up with some like fancy, hilarious slogan for it. Oh, get ready, kids, because tonight the crap shoot crap's back. No, that sucks. Um, uh, I, 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 the, 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 better beware, my beautiful screamers, because the host man always craps twice. Oh my god, that sounded so much better in my head. Ooh, and also, ew, ew. Ew, like I already shit my pants at CVS. I'm not doing it on the show. Okay, no, forgot that one. Uh, 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 oh, uh, same crap, different gay. No, it doesn't work because I'm the same gay. Fuck it. All right, you know what? I'm just going to let Flem do his little intro. I guarantee that by the time we come back, I will have come up with the most hilarious name for this new segment ever. Mark my words. Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul. 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 Oh. Ew, ew, ew. Oh, uh, <laughs> I sincerely hope you're ready for this, my beautiful, beautiful screamers. Because tonight, the crab shoot is pulling double duty. Nailed it! Nailed it! Woo! Woo! I'm hilarious. I told you I'd come up with something hilarious, and I did. I'm great. Okay, so for those of you who think that I'm not going to explain what the crapshoot is because we just did a crapshoot, you are wrong. You are wrong. Because I thought it would be a good idea to move the crapshoot over to Patreon. I love my Patreon people, but it didn't really work out. I never did it over there. There's always something else to do. So it just wasn't getting done. And I realized something during this time. A, I missed it. And I had this vision, you know, I mean, just remembering what it was like. That feeling when I actually came up with gold. When I actually sifted through all of that crap and found something that was not even just worth watching, but that was brilliant. It was just lost. And I brought it to you. I, 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 I hunted it down for you. And I, the, the, the hunter gatherer and just said, here, here, feast upon this movie flesh. I give you sustenance. But I'm going to say, now that I've done one crapshoot and I actually found you, that diamond in the shit pile, I have to face what might be an inconvenient truth. I realized I've been living a lie. I, I, just, I, just, I just fell in love with this golden, romanticized idea of me as this hero finding you good movies. So that you don't have to watch bad ones. And then every week I'd get frustrated because I'd get, I'd hear the responses from you. saying, oh my God, we watched that movie, Pantry. It was terrible, but you made it sound so funny. Why did you make us watch it? I said, I didn't want you to watch it. You're supposed to watch the good one. Then I find out nobody watched the good one. Week after week after week after week. You guys do it all the time. You know you do. And I realized that as much as I love that feeling, of discovering a lost gem. What I secretly, deep down love even more is when I am forced to sit down and suffer through some abominable piece of crap just so I can warn you not to watch it, only to have you to forsake my warnings and watch it anyway. Getting to sit down at this microphone right here. Tap into all that negative energy, all that rage, all that disappointment, all that just the deep humanitarian crises that I would suffer watching these movies. I get to tap into all of that. And for, you know, 20, 25 minutes, just kind of let the rage take over like Carrie at the prom and have filth. Spew for my mouth as I shred this terrible movie into little teeny tiny bits. And just when I think it's dead, I shred it some more. It turns out I'm not a hunter-gatherer. I'm a predator. <laughs> and I'm hungry for blood. So I am looking for a movie that I'm going to hate. I want to rip a movie to shreds tonight, kids. And here's the movie that I picked. I saw it on the list of new releases on Shudder. I said, oh, this is a common theme I've been seeing an awful lot of lately. 
Ooh, Killer Mermaids. Ooh. The lure already did that. They're probably not going to do better than the lure, right? And I'm sure it's going to be some, like, you know, heterosexual fantasy version of femininity out there that's preying on men, luring to the vets, you know, all big boobs and slutty sluttishness and, and tits galore. That should be Allison Wacky's screen name. Tits galore. I'm back now. So come on, Shudder. You're promising me an underwater boob fest. And from what I've seen of your film already, it already not just stinks. It stinks like fish. Let's get it on and take a listen to the trailer for The Siren. Soka begins life as an ordinary young woman. But then one day, while lovesick, she drowns in a body of water. She wakes up transformed. A living ghost. A siren. And she is forever cursed with an unholy want. So where to begin with the siren? My goodness. Well, first of all, I lied. This movie is not about a killer mermaid. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. It's about a killer Rusalka. What the hell is a Rusalka? Well, you heard the, the, the description in the trailer there. It's, it's more of a ghost than a mermaid type thing. But it's basically the same. It's a Russian myth about the spirit of a somehow cheated woman who drowned herself out of sorrow who now has to haunt the waters Eternally seeking out more people and everyone she encounters, she has to drown. Welcome to our story. Here's the thing. I did not just not notice that this film was not actually about a killer mermaid, so I went in with a completely different conception of what the movie was going to be. I also didn't notice when I watched the trailer that this movie was directed by Perry Blackshear. Who's Perry Blackshear, you ask? Perry Blackshear's other movie is... They look like people. I loved They Look Like People. It was like the most gay relationship between two straight men that I've ever seen. And I don't mean that in a bad way. These were two straight men who loved each other. And you never see that in movies. And I loved They Look Like People. So I said, oh, maybe this movie isn't going to be the huge piece of crap that I thought it was. And you know what? It's not. I love this movie. First of all, it's just gorgeous to look at. All the cinematography is just lush. This lake location is fantastic. And there's a whole dreamlike quality to everything that makes everything ethereal and strange. And sometimes you're not sure if what you're seeing is actually happening or it's just somebody else's fantasy. And even afterwards, you're not sure. There's a whole kind of um, feel of liquidity to the whole thing, for want of a better word. So the siren is basically the story of three people. Well, maybe not people, three souls. Well, maybe not souls. Three entities. When the movie opens, we get a narration from this character named Tom. And I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but he's played by Evan Dumarshall, who was also in They Look Like People. He was in Doctor Sleep. And he's this mountain man kind of looking, you know, scraggly hair and big lumberjack beard, living out in the woods, being all woodsy. And he's doing this voiceover narration, part of which you already heard in the trailer. And the rest of it is to someone named Michael. Michael, who is no longer with us. Thomas suspects that Michael didn't drown in the lake by accident. Michael's convinced that he was murdered by a creature in the lake. And Tom has spent the last, oh, year hunting down and keeping watch for Michael's killer. Meanwhile, in the cabin next door, a young man has moved in. He's rented it out for the summer. This guy named Al. Al, much like our heroine in 1BR, he is a babe in the woods. He is an innocent. I mean, he's an adult, but this is his first time 
out on his own, out in the world, seeing anything. Because he's grown up in this whole Christian community and been working as a missionary. He's always been under their sway, for want of a better word. It's his first time away from his Christian missionary church that, that he grew up on. And then, and so he is wide-eyed and innocent as you could possibly imagine. And on top of it, he's mute. Turns out he had some horrible accident while swimming when he was a kid. And poof, no more, no more voice. And he's played by an actor named McLeod Andrews, who is also fantastic. His performance is silent, of course, but it's so expressive. I mean, you always know what he's thinking, and that's a fabulous thing. And he's so innocent. I completely believe that this guy has been so sheltered, he doesn't know anything about the evils of the world, much less the supernatural trap he's about to walk into. Poor guy. And on top of it, ripped body. Plus and plus. And of course... Rounding out the triangle here is Nina. Nina. Is that mysterious figure in the lake? And I have to say, all three of these actors nail all these parts. Just every part is just so rich and so layered. And one of the things I love, remember when I said, oh, the mermaid's probably going to be all boobs and tail. I'm like, eh, hey, why don't you come up and shoot me sometime here on the rock so I can drown you? I don't know who that was supposed to be, but that's what I was expecting. I was expecting blatant sexuality coming from this creature in the lake, and we don't get that. She is, she's genuinely sweet and coy, and it doesn't seem like an act, and that makes her even more alluring. And basically, she, she, her and Tom have a little meet-cute on the lake. Our relationship starts to form. And, well, let's just say things go the way they must. And before I go any further, my hat is off to you, Margaret Ying Drake, who played Nina. What a performance. What a layered performance. What? I, 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 I fell in love with Nina. I was terrified of Nina. I understood Nina. I didn't understand a thing about Nina. She's everything you ever wanted, everything you ever going to be afraid of. And you think you understand her, but you don't, but you do, but you don't, but you do, but you don't, but you do. And I, oh gosh, gosh, gosh. And even though there's two sides to her, it was like, yes, there are two sides to Nina. There's the enchantress and then there's the murderer part. They're not separate. I mean, yes, there's a physical change and stuff, but like you get that this is all just one personality. It's not like, oh, I have to turn into this monster now. And I don't like, no, she knows what she is. She knows what she has to do. She may not like it, but as she says, I would stop it if I could, but it would be like stopping my own heart. So she knows this, this relationship is futile, that it's only going to end one way. And yet still she pushes because that's what she does. That's who she is. There's one very bold choice that runs throughout this film that I think is a stroke of brilliance, and that is using the music of this women's vocal group called Kitka. You heard a little bit of it in the trailer. Uh, they sing Baltic and Eastern European songs normally, and they did the soundtrack for this movie, and all of their stuff just adds to that mystique and that ethereal feel and that magical otherness. It is a perfect choice. It just whisks you away to somewhere else. Brilliant. Not everybody's going to like this movie. It's very slow. It's got this dreamlike quality, but I really appreciate it. The first thing that blew my socks off, and it's not a spoiler, when Tom, the bushy, lumberjacky guy, is showing Al, the Christian mute kid, around the, the new cabin and, and telling him to be careful in the lake because there's been a lot of drownings, he just lets it slip that Michael was his husband. I fell out. We have a queer character in this movie that is not a stereotype, that is not fabulous, that is not spouting off catchphrases, that is just this invested character who, oh, by the way, happens to be gay and has a husband and had a husband who is still mourning. Drop me like a rock. And this is more of a dark fairy tale than it is a horror movie. But, oh, believe me, when the horror comes, it comes with a sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a brutal finale and it ends the only way it can end, which is perfect. I don't want to say too much about the siren. A plus to Perry Blackshear for crafting this movie that's very, very different in look and tone and feel from they look like people, but still weaving this fantastic world that I got lost in. And even though it was incredibly dangerous, I didn't want to leave either. And I found myself worried not just for the humans, I was worried for all of them in different ways. 
all of them have everything to lose. So three lost souls on a lake for the summer. Someone has to die. Someone has to live to tell the tale. Who will it be? I'm not saying. The Siren is greening right now on Shudder. Highly recommend it. Go check it out there. And gosh darn it, I really wanted to rip something apart this week. Meh. Meh. I'm sad. Meh. But you know what? How can I be mad? How can I be mad? You got not one, but two fabulous movies. Yay! Yay! Two very different movies, too. And I think that's a great way to kick off season 11. I have spoken, so let it be written, so let it be done. And so, my beautiful screamers, there has been a huge passage of time. It has been three weeks since I recorded those first segments, the crapshoot and the intro. It is two weeks after the proposed Labor Day Monday return of the show. And a week after the belated opening of the show the following week. Did that make sense to you? We'll work with me here. Let's just say it's been three weeks that this show has been sitting here. What happened, Patrick? Well, my world went crazy. And not in a good way. Let me walk you through the past couple of weeks. So the first thing that happened was, you know, um, the show was due out on Labor Day Monday. And everything was going fine. Labor Day Sunday, I got some Windows update on for Windows 10. And my system shut down for five hours and I couldn't do any work at all. And I stressed about it. I stressed about it. I just was stressing over when is this computer going to turn back on? When am I going to be able to do my work? I got to get in here. I got to, I got to do, I got to record the outro section. I have to do all the marketing stuff. I have to write the show notes. I have to post everything to Captivate. I have all this stuff to do and not a lot of time to do it. And I just said, you know what, Patrick? It's Labor Day weekend. It's your show. You set the time that this comes out. Take the stress off yourself. Move it back another week. And then, this, then, oh gosh. During this week, all of a sudden, I got into a fight with CVS and my insurance company because all of a sudden, they wouldn't give me my HIV meds. They said that I had filled the prescription. It was too soon. So what are you talking about? I haven't filled it since August 2nd. And they both said, yes, that's what our records show. And then they'd put it through their computers and their computers would say, nope, it's too soon. But it's not. It's time. It's been a month. I, have, I need my pills. And I was stuck in that loophole for another 10 days. 10 days without my meds. And so the Saturday before the show was supposed to debut, I went marching up to CVS to have a war with the pharmacist. So I'm like, I don't know, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? You look it up in your system. You tell me to my face, everything's fine. I walk away, you run through your system again, and then nothing works. I'm going to stand here until you do it right. And what I'm guessing happened was that the gods of podcasting decided that resurrecting the crapshoot was not going to come without a price. They said, huh, crapshoot's doing double duty, Patrick? So were you. Not only did I have to go back to the show's history to bring back a segment, to revitalize the show, to bring it back to you for this new season, history decided to repeat itself too when I shat my pants at CVS again. Right there at the pharmacy counter. In the middle of my tirade. When it wasn't anger, I was sick. Really sick. And that was the start of it. By the time I got home, I was running a raging fever. 102 degrees, and my stomach would not stop. And it's Saturday. There's nothing I can do. Nobody I can call. Yeah, I could probably haul myself to an urgent care clinic if there was any nearby, but I, I was, let's just say, running so much that I was not physically able to go anywhere. Very scary couple of days because I know one of the onset symptoms of COVID is diarrhea and high fever, and there I am. Very scary two days. It was so bad that I couldn't move. Like moving would cause the problem. If I would just lay in place and not move at all, everything would be fine. If I'd roll over a bit, that could cause a gurgle. But definitely standing up meant everything was going to go. 
Again, the gods heard that little joke I made. Said, "Oh, the host man always craps twice. That's gonna be an understatement." Yeah, ha ha. So I just spent forty-eight hours trying not to move, and I got to see a doctor on Monday. You know, virtually. He assured me it doesn't sound like COVID, so not to worry. And it turns out it's not. I've gotten tested since, and it's not. Just a regular stomach bug. But all this is going on. I still don't have my HIV meds, so I'm stressed out about that. I'm trying to find all these battles at once, and it was miserable. It was a miserable few days. And I want to thank the people who helped step up and get through to the people at Aetna and the people at CVS and worked through whatever the hell this problem was and get me my meds 10 days late. I wound up paying a hell of a lot more than they should have them. Then I should have for him, but I said, I don't care right now. I need them. It's been 10 days. You can't fuck around with this stuff. So once I got them, I was able to fight these other battles more easily, but it has been a miserable week. I'm still sick with it. It's been a full week now. I got medication for it, and it's worked, and it's helped. I'm a million times better, but I'm not 100%. Something's still wrong. So I'm going to set up another virtual appointment with the doctor on Monday to get his advice. See if I need another course of something stronger. Because everything seems to be, I'm, the, the meds just seem to be holding everything at bay, but not completely curing things. So we're just going to see what's working out there. And it's, it's been rough. It's been rough. But then it's rough everywhere, man. For my listeners out there on the West Coast, my heart aches for you. I mean, what you're going through with the fires and the pollution. I mean, to see the pictures of those skies, it's terrifying. I can't imagine but what I was doing, I was looking at the pictures online. Being, I can't imagine being this sick and look, seeing that out my window. I think I, I, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I was already despondent with everything that was going on with, with the meds and not being able to get them and being that sick and being alone. And just, to look out the window and see the sky, that color, I don't know if I would have had the strength to keep going. So my heart is with, you, with all of you. And now Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It is really hard not to just crawl under the bed and not come out. But <laughs> kids, we need to keep fighting. You need to do what you can. You need to uh, donate to Amy, Gr- Amy McGrath's campaign to defeat Mitch McConnell, if you can. Donate to the Joe Biden campaign. Call your senators and say, do not let them pass this new, new justice appointment through before the election or before the, the, the new president is sworn in. Do not let this happen. Do it now. ResistBot is your friends. Look up ResistBot. It takes five seconds and sends a message to all of your constituents at once. But this is not a time for inactivity. So I urge you to get off your asses and do something because I mean, I was sick as a dog and I still did it. <sighs> what am I saying? I don't know. Well, that's life. What's going on with Screen Queens? So, now that the show's off schedule with me being sick, I had planned for next episode to do a show on Swallow, the movie Swallow, with Vanessa McHenry from the VD Clinic. Uh, I know she had a conflict for the end of the month, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to squeeze that interview in in time. So I don't know if that episode is happening or not. If Worst case scenario, I'll be releasing uh, uh, a hitherto paywall-blocked show of Damn You, Uncle Lewis next time around. But for October, what I've decided to do, since it's 2020, I've spent a lot of time on this show avoiding talking about movies other shows do all the time, which means I've spent a lot of time avoiding the classics. Now, the classics are something I can watch because I've seen them all. There's no stress involved. I know how it's going to turn out. I don't freak out. I don't worry. It doesn't start clawing at the inside of my stomach. So I might be focusing more on the classics this year. And I think that's a great idea. How are we going to do this? Well, I've decided for this time around, for October, I'm going to take a look at the films of John Carpenter. Since it's Halloween. Yeah, I already covered Halloween, but we're going to look at John Carpenter movies anyway. And when I do a famous director segment like this, what I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on one lesser known film and one of the major films. And see how that goes for a while. I also have ideas for how to do other months. I have a whole bunch of topics that I've thrown into a hat 
Every now and then I'll pull them out at random. Sometimes I'll pull them up for a vote. Um, I'm going to get into more of that next time because, like I said, I'm still sick. And just talking for this little bit of time has worn me out. But I'm thrilled to be back. I'm very happy that season 11 is finally underway. Hell or high water, we're doing it. It's, it's doing. It's happening right now. Yay. Great. But I also know I also have to pull back because there's still lots of work to do on the show besides the recording and editing that I have to save my energy for to get it out to you on time. So I'm going to stop my babbling on the show and just wish that all of you are doing as well as you possibly can in this crazy new world and doing what you can to change it. And before we wrap up, I want to thank all my friends over at Captivate. Uh, Captivate is the podcast host. Disco Dancing Ninjas that are make podcasting so unbelievably easy, it's almost embarrassing. They're the only podcast host that is actively invested in making your podcast grow. And they're adding new features all the time, and you should check it out. And there's a show link down there in the show notes to get you a seven-day free trial of Captivate, which I highly recommend that you do. And even though we didn't use them this time, my buddies over at Squadcast FM... They do remote recordings for professional podcasters to make your interviews sound absolutely professional as possible. Professional as per- professional as possible is what I just said. Yep, my meds are kicking in. You can also get a nice little trial from them with the show with the link down there in the show notes as well. So yeah, Captivate and Squadcast is a one-two double punch for podcasting fabulosity. Something else to look forward to in the future. I'm gonna have a brand new website coming out real soon, courtesy of the people at Pod Pages. It's one of those things that's been sitting on the shelf because I've been sick. Uh, it's nothing fancy, but it's just exactly what I want. WordPress has never been my friend. I'm always fighting against it. I hate the way the, the web page looks over there. I'm in much more control over PodPage. And so that's something for everybody to look forward to. Yay. I think that's it. So uh, maybe we'll be doing Swallow next time. That's still for a rental only. It's not streaming anywhere. It's not for everybody. And it's also not the movie that you think. That's cryptic, Patrick. Well, save it for the show. Patrick needs to go and lie down. So um, until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, please continue to make the world a more creepy and fabulous place. And you do that by following the Scream Queen's golden rule. Wow, it's been a while since I've done all this and the rules have changed. But basically, fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, wear a fucking mask, wash your fucking hands, keep your fucking distance, register to vote. If you think you're registered to vote, Double check to make sure that you're registered properly. If you're planning on voting by mail, start planning that shit now because the post office is all fucked up. Don't let your vote go wasted. Make your voice be heard. Bug your senators about the Supreme Court and just stay fabulous. Until next time, I love you and it's great to be back. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll be curling up with Miss Smoochie and enjoying a nice hot steaming cup of ginger tea for my tummy. Drinking it out of my mug that tells the world, bitch, Please. Because seriously, bitch, please. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.